You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Wolves. My name is Ben Beacon. I am the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Just a reminder, first thing here off the top, or actually a thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. Happy Monday, everybody. Happy first day of the week and happy start of the preseason and real live Timberwolves basketball for the first time since May. We're going to talk briefly about the preseason here today. I want to cover that obviously more in the week. Tuesday will be a full-blown post-game podcast uh, following the Wolves preseason game on Monday evening against the Pelicans. Today, though, I want to focus on X factors throughout the team, throughout the roster, the things that are different about this team this year that could lead uh, to market improvement on the 2021-22 version of the Timberwolves. Uh, before we get to all that, though, a quick reminder that uh, you can follow this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. That includes Apple, Google, Spotify, the all-new Odyssey app. Of course, now YouTube. We're six weeks into this thing on YouTube, so be sure if you're not already subscribed, if you're not following there, uh, please do. And if you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like button below. That definitely helps us grow the channel as it is still a new one. You can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon with two Bs, two Es, CK. Yeah, and again, thanks for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Again, free and available on all platforms. Okay, uh, the preseason starts tonight. That's Wolves Pelicans from Target Center, 7 p.m. Central. The game is actually being broadcast on Bally Sports North. Each of the first two Wolves games this preseason are, will be on Bally Sports North and presumably on um, on NBA League Pass as well. All four preseason games broadcast on 830 WCCO in the Twin Cities with the fantastic Alan Horton. And of course, uh, the wonderful Dave Benz and Jim Peterson will still be broadcasting Wolves games on Valley Sports North. Uh, the next preseason game is Friday, October 8th against the Nuggets, and that's on the road in Denver. Uh, the following game, the third preseason game, and, and remember, this is a weird, we talked about the preseason schedule when it came out several weeks ago. The third preseason game is Monday, also on the road. Of the four preseason games, only one is at Target Center. So on Monday, they're in Los Angeles to take on the Clippers. That's Monday the 11th. That's a late game, and it will be apparently on NBA TV. On Thursday, the Timberwolves will take on the Brooklyn Nets. That's also on NBA TV. That's next Thursday, the 14th, 6.30 p.m. Central, and that game will also be NBA TV. So the first two preseason games, Monday, Friday on Valley Sports North, and next Monday and Thursday on NBA TV. Uh, so all four Timberwolves preseason games will be broadcast one way or another, so you'll be able to enjoy preseason hoops. Wolves-Pelicans Monday. As of now, the Wolves uh, PR tweeted out on Sunday that there are no injuries on the Timberwolves, no injuries to report. Presumably, that means Carl Anthony Towns will play. We had seen last week that he was ramping up in training camp, wasn't really taking part in five-on-five live scrimmage drills, the portions available, uh, open and available to the media. But the Wolves said, Chris Finch said they were ramping him up for Monday's preseason opener. So presumably, he will start and play some minutes on Monday. I'm sure not a whole lot, uh, and nor should he. So we should see a, a full-strength Wolves team. Very curious to see how the minutes uh, you know, are divvied up here as we move through the preseason and obviously uh, more so in the regular season. I don't really want to cover preseason keys to watch today because it's really tough to say. We just don't know what the Wolves are going to trot out there in terms of a lineup or rotation, minutes limits, um, you know, what they're going to try and get done, how vanilla all their stuff will be both on both ends of the floor in the preseason, especially game one. So I, I want to see the first preseason game and maybe even the second, you know, to, to really kind of say like, hey, what should we be watching for? Now, I, I think after the first one, again, we'll do a full postgame podcast on Tuesday, which is admittedly a little bit of a silly exercise in that 
you know, like I said, we don't know exactly what to expect and it's not going to be the full Timberwolves, you know, offense or defense that we will see moving forward. Um, but I want to do a post game pod Tuesday. That'll kind of direct the rest of the week and, and what we can look forward to in the rest of the preseason. And, uh, we'll go from there. Um, today on the show though, I do want to mostly talk about X factors. I wrote a piece at Dunkin' with Wolves about three X factors that I think the Timberwolves, uh, will be relying on this year to, I think, as a whole, these three things, uh, one's a player specifically, an individual, the other two are um, can be can be assigned to a couple, three individuals on the team, but they're more um, traits of the team or areas that they've improved or should have improved this year. Presumably, they've improved. Um, and th- I, each of those things together... I think you could either take this team from a fringe, you know, play in team, you know, the, the 10th seed or, you know, the 11th, just missing out, hopefully not ninth, ninth, 10th, 11th, somewhere in there to like sixth, which would take them out of the play in conversation or seventh, in, in which case they would host a play in game and have some advantage there in, in the way that the play in works. Um, so I, I think that these are, these are going to be, I guess that's kind of the definition of an X factor, right? The thing that kind of is that fringe. Uh, that fringe plus that helps the team take the next step. Obviously, this season is going to be all about Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, D'Angelo Russell. Can can Cat bounce back from injuries and illness the last two years and be the cat we know he can be with healthy? I think the answer to that is very likely yes. So the bigger question is, can he stay healthy? Um, as, of course, he did the first four years in the league. He, I think, missed one game in his first four seasons. And uh, Anthony Edwards, can he continue to improve? Can D'Angelo Russell improve a little bit defensively? If those guys each play to their capabilities, this is a playoff team. There's no question about that. But it's those other pieces, the fringe pieces, the X factors, if you will, that will take this team from squeaking into the playoffs at nine or 10 into the playoff, play-in portion of the playoffs and being a solidly a solid playoff team and, and not you know biting our nails down to the game 82 to just squeak into the play-in round. What could make the difference on this year's team? So that's what I want to focus on on today's show. We're going to get into that here in just a minute. First, though, it's football season, and that means we have to talk about Sleeper, which isn't just a fantasy football site. I use it for uh, Dynasty fantasy football, but it's also now, uh, they've been doing fantasy basketball for a while, but they've changed things up, and they're fantastic, uh, the way that the, the way that they operate fantasy basketball. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games are being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense at all and required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play that week are over. The days of mindless daily busy work are also over, and the days of giving up halfway through the season because of said busy work, they're also definitely over. In game picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponents' defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you love playing fantasy football, which by the way, again, I do on Sleeper. If you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Also, uh, similar lines, along similar lines, it's football season. So, of course, you're no doubt watching DirecTV. But does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and perhaps you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to show you about a simple way to get all that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. 
It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part? There's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Okay, let's go ahead and get into the uh, into these X factors for the Timberwolves this year. Um, all right, and uh, actually, before we do that, one more one more thank you again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Again, free and available on all platforms. Don't forget that's true of all Lockdown shows as well, including YouTube. Um, all right, so in terms of these X factors. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Leandro Balmaro, and he's the only one on this list that is a that is just simply a player that is an X factor because I think that can get really overblown. Um, and just speaking generally about the term X factor, it's really easy just to kind of build a narrative around oh, this is the player who's not a star that will make a difference. But I mean, that's it. Just seems it's always seemed kind of silly to me in general in any sport because it's like the team was constructed in a certain way to have these guys who are supposed to be X factors, but you know, it, that's the plan, right? The plan isn't that some guy's going to step up and surprisingly be really good because otherwise they wouldn't be on the team in the first place. So uh, two of my three X factors are more concepts than they are specific players. But I want to talk about Balmoral. And we, we spent some time talking about him on the show before. We did a whole show all about Balmoral back in, man, I think this was mid-July because it would have been between the draft and the Olympics, the Tokyo Olympics, I had Jake Painting of uh, formerly Kane Supas. He's got his own Substack now. So check out Jake Painting on Twitter. Um, and uh, if you're not already following him or subscribe to his stuff, he does a fantastic job. But he uh, had a lot to say about Bomaro. He kind of became the Bomaro uh, whisper is maybe not the right term, the Bomaro expert, I guess, in any in any case, this summer. And uh, he came on the show. We talked about what Bomaro could bring to the Wolves. And the the biggest thing, I think, is is defense. Um, the Timberwolves obviously have been a bad defensive team for several years. They've been bottom 10 basically every year except for the Jimmy Butler season. And they were still pretty middle of the pack that year, too, because of some of the other issues they had uh, beyond Butler and Taj Gibson, some of the defensive issues they had. You know, they were playing Jamal Crawford and Jeff Teague heavy minutes, and obviously Towns wasn't great defensively. Um, so it, the Wolves just have not been a good defensive team really since Kevin Garnett was here in his prime, which is sad, but true. Um, and Balmaro is a top flight pick and roll defender. He can defend um, really any pick and roll concept well. He's athletic enough. He's really big, his size, his length, his anticipation. And the biggest thing is how hard he plays, which is obviously something that I guess can't be coached, right? It can't be taught. You either have it or you don't. You're going to play hard or you're not. And Balmaro combines the good size and the good instincts and the intelligence with the uh, the willingness to play hard, the stick if you will, in the pick and roll game. And so he can guard, he can get over screens well, he can um, fight through screens extremely well, which is something that D'Angelo Russell has struggled with more due to effort than anything else. Jordan McLaughlin struggles with because of his size more than anything else. Rubio struggled with last year because he lost a half a step or more uh, after the COVID-19 battle and reporting a little bit out of shape as a lot of people did. But Rubio wasn't great defending in the pick and roll or fighting through screens last year as he had been early in his career. That's something that Patrick Beverly, who, of course, is coming off the bench now for the Wolves, will bring to the table. Balmaro is very good at it, and he's big. He's more a point forward than he is a guard. He's not a guard. He's a forward, right? But he he operates more as a point forward on both ends, or I should say offensively. But defensively, he can guard multiple positions. And that's the first thing. Point of attack defense, pick and roll defense. And, I, you know, I wrote about this and talked about it on the show last year after they drafted him. 
he uh, his floor is already kind of a rotation player because he's such a solid defender. He's a decent rebounder. He's a great passer and playmaker. He was one of the best uh, playmakers in the draft last year and, and would have been this year as well had he stayed had he uh, waited a year before entering the draft. And the only real knock on him was moderate athleticism and uh, the shot looked funky and he hadn't really made a ton of threes. Now this year, over 63 games in for a couple different teams in Europe and, and almost half of that coming in EuroLeague, he made 41% of his three-point attempts. And that was, again, across 63 games in Europe, 41% after not having much of a track record of making threes. We don't know if that was a little bit fluky and, and obviously it, things change quite a bit when you go from Europe to the NBA. So I'm not expecting him to be a 40 point, 40% three-point shooter in the NBA and, and nobody should. But if he can be average, if he can shoot 34% from three, and not, you know, allow defenses to simply leave him alone when he's got the ball in his hands, that could that could uh, be a boon to the Timberwolves offense when he's on the floor. He's going to be able to play defense at the NBA level immediately. I, I truly believe that. The question is, what can he do offensively um, to to be able to keep himself on the floor? If he can compete defensively as we think he can, then he's just got to do a little bit on offense um, to, to stay on the floor. The problem for him is going to be fighting for minutes, honestly. I mean, you look at the Timberwolves, we'll call it top nine he's probably not in the top nine as currently constructed because you're talking the starters and, and we'll, I, for argument's sake, we'll say it's D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, um, Anthony Edwards. Uh, we'll, I'll say Jared Vanderbilt because I still think he's going to start and Carl Anthony Towns. So your sixth man is, is, you know, is basically Jaden McDaniels. You've got Patrick Beverly, who's definitely in the rotation. Nas reads your backup center. That's eight. Now you're looking, who is it? Is it Josh Akogi or is it Leandro Balmaro as your ninth guy? And whoever's not ninth is then probably 10th. And you're still not including Jordan McLaughlin in that top 10. He becomes 11. And then after that, you're looking at what Jake Lehman, um, some of the two-way guys that, you know, that that's going to be your, your 12th, 13th guys. Um, but who gets that ninth spot in the rotation? Is it a Kogi or is it Balmaro? My bet's on a Kogi at the start of the season, but Balmaro by the end of the season. And it wouldn't shock me if Balmaro slides up the depth chart a little bit further. And we'll just find him ways to get on the court. But you look at the other guys, he's got to fight through all those wings. Um, and then also, I mean, how often is, uh, you know, Edwards Beasley, Jade McDaniels is going to be playing a lot more three this year. Josh Akogi wants minutes on the wing. Russell and Patrick Beverly are going to probably play some minutes together, throw McLaughlin in that mix. If Chris Finch wants to play more two point guard backcourts, McLaughlin could get some opportunities, especially if there's foul trouble or injuries early in the season. Um, so Balmaro's biggest thing is going to be fighting for minutes. But he's got a ceiling. I think he legitimately has a star caliber ceiling. It's obviously not likely he reaches it, but his floor is already rotation player. And his most likely case scenario is as a as a plus starter, right? As an above average starter in the NBA with legit star potential, depending on how quickly he adapts and if his shot actually sticks. If he becomes dangerous enough, an, an upper 30s percent three-point shooter, then uh, he could be a star in this league. This year, whatever he's able to provide as the ninth, eighth, seventh man off the bench, or I should say ninth, eighth, seventh man in the rotation, that's going to be huge for the Timberwolves. And it could be one of the big differences between fringe playoff team and solid impact uh, or, or, or solid, I guess, yeah, an, an impact playoff team, somebody who's a team that's out of the play in conversation and into the, maybe the sixth seed or something like that in the West. He could be one of those factors. The second thing I want to talk about is uh, Jaden McDaniels and Anthony Edwards and their rebounding capabilities. Um, this is an X factor because it's something that wasn't very good last year. And uh, obviously, Balmaro wasn't on the team last year. So that's why he can be an X factor this year. McDaniels and Edwards did not rebound the ball well last season. And if they do rebound up to their 
physical capabilities and what the Wolves expect of them and the positions that they'll be playing, then that's going to make a really big difference. The defense grabs the headlines as the thing that's been really terrible for the Wolves in recent years, but go and look at their team rebounding numbers, whether that's defensive rebound percentage or rebounds per game. Rebounds per game is misleading because that's not pace adjusted and the Wolves have scored a ton and allowed a ton of points. So there's just more possessions, which means more rebounds available in past seasons. So rebound percentage is the best way to look at it. And the Wolves have been awful rebounding the ball. Part of that was due to, you know, Towns missing time the last couple of years. Part of it's due to Ryan Saunders playing a lot of small ball. Robert Covington playing the four. Um, you know, some of these different, Josh Akogi playing the four early last year. Uh, but the other part of it is they haven't had guys that really rebound their position well. Um, and I'm not necessarily, D'Angelo Russell's a fine rebounder for his position. Rubio was a fine rebounder for his position. Um, Nas Reed is a good rebounder at the four, but at the five, he struggled. And, and I don't want to make this about Nas, uh, necessarily, but that's part of it. Nas has to rebound at the backup five better than he did last year, especially when Towns was out. He struggled. Um, but let's talk about McDaniels first. He's six. He was six eight ish, six nine maybe last year. He's a solid six ten this year, reportedly. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He's grown an inch, inch and a half in the offseason. and he's an above average athlete. McDaniels should be a good rebounder. Now, of course, his build isn't great. You know, he gets compared to everyone from Brandon Ingram to Kevin Durant, or he did, I should say, really coming out of college because he has a slight frame and a slight build. He's apparently added a little bit of muscle and a little bit of weight going into this year and should be a little bit more used to the physicality of the NBA game versus playing in the Pac-12. And the other thing is he played a lot of four early last year and he wasn't ready to rebound the ball to box out NBA caliber athletes and NBA caliber bodies as a rookie at the four, but he's going to play a ton of three under Chris Finch. I bet he'll play three quarters of his minutes at the three, if not more. And his athleticism, size, length, uh, instincts, and you know, his, his build will play better at the three than it does at the four. And so if McDaniels rebounds at the three, like we think he can, that's going to be outstanding. He's going to be a good rebounding three. Um, and recently there was, I think Dane Moore tweeted this out. It was a quote uh, from Chris Finch after practice recently at training camp about McDaniels defense and basically, or excuse me, his rebounding saying that he didn't get as many defensive rebounds last year because he was often guarding higher usage ball handlers on the perimeter away, a ways away from the hoop. But Finch followed that up by saying, that they expect McDaniels to improve uh, because of his instincts. He's he's got to he's got to grab his share of weak side rebounds when when possible. He's got to. I mean, you think about that one, maybe two possessions a game. If B, if uh, McDaniels can cut it short for the opposing team by grabbing a weak side rebound, that's huge. I mean, how many games are decided by one or two possessions? Um, and over the course of a season, that's going to make a really big di difference. In terms of rebound rate, last year, McDaniels only had a rebound rate of 8.3%. That was seventh on the Wolves roster. It was behind, um, you know, it was behind Jarrett Culver. It was barely ahead of Malik Beasley, uh, you know, about a percentage point and a half ahead of Ricky Rubio in terms of rebound percentage. It's not what they wanted to see out of McDaniels. Um, but if he could just, you know, be a little bit better. And again, as Finch said, rebound the weak side a little bit better. That would be great. As for Edwards, Anthony Edwards apparently also grew from 6'4 to 6'6 this offseason. He's going to be playing a lot more three. And Finch has already said he could play some small ball four as well. And he also talked in an interview in August. I think this was at the Minnesota State Fair uh, with Chris Hine of the Star Tribune. Finch said, there was a game last year where they challenged Edwards, hey, get seven rebounds, and he got exactly seven rebounds. And if they challenge him to rebound the ball more, plus he's grown, plus he's athletic, plus he's his instincts continue to improve as he gets used to the NBA game, if he could up that rebound percentage slightly um, with his insane athleticism, his height, his length, his instincts, more opportunities, um, then he is going to, that's going to be, that's going to make a big difference to the Timberwolves. And the other thing that gets overlooked, and I, I've gotten on my soapbox about this before on the show, 
But rebounding is directly related to defense. And it's one of the reasons why defensive rebounding is such a, a high, uh, it, it's a metric considered um, highly in many of the advanced metrics that are out there, right? Like wind shares, for instance, on basketball reference, heavily weights rebounding. Uh, why? Because rebounding, by definition, an offensive possession can't end without a made shot, uh, a missed shot, which then equals a rebound or a turnover, right? Um, there could be a foul, but then that's still ending in a shot at the free throw line, right? Um, or a rebound on a missed free throw. So the only ways you can end a possession are by allowing them to score, by getting them to turn the ball over or by rebounding a miss. And so by definition, it's defense, Rebounding is defense. It's ending the opposing team's possession. And so if Edwards and McDaniels can continue to improve their defensive rebounding, it's going to make a world of a difference for the Timberwolves um, in terms of their defense. And then in turn, obviously impact winning directly. If they can stop teams from scoring, they're going to win more games, obviously. Um, and Edwards and McDaniels are going to have a huge hand in that. So number one X factor, Leander Balmaro. Number two, and these aren't really in any particular order. Number two um, is rebounding and specifically Defensive rebounding from Anthony Edwards and Jade McDaniels. Uh, there's one more that I want to get to on today's show. We're going to do that here in just a second. First, though, let's talk about our great friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar of all time. It tastes exactly like a candy bar. I kid you not. They are delicious. There's several outstanding flavors, anything with coconut, anything with caramel, uh, mint brownie, cookies and cream, all fantastic. If you haven't tried all the flavors or any flavors, you need to get a mix box. You'll get two of each of the nine main flavors. Check out the macros in Built Bars. They're, not only are they delicious, but they're absolutely healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein per bar and calories ranging from only 130 per bar to 180 per bar. Only four to five grams of sugar and only four or five grams net carbs in each bar. Amazing flavors are all tasty and all healthy. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, let's talk about the final X factor on my list for the Timberwolves this season. Um, and... Again, number one is uh, Leonardo Balmaro. Number two is rebounding specifically from Edwards and McDaniels. Number three is improved roster depth. And this is something I talked about a couple of weeks ago on the show. This Timberwolves team is a lot deeper than really any Timberwolves team in recent memory. Maybe the playoff team in 18 with Butler. Um, that team was fairly deep, but it was, um, you know, it was kind of, it was fringy depth, but I think I think it was a deep enough team, right? I mean, they were a playoff team. They kind of weathered the storm after the storm after the Butler injury. Remember, Jeff Teague, I think, hurt his meniscus that year and missed a handful of games or sprained his knee, maybe uh, around Christmas time and missed three four weeks. There was enough depth on that team that they were able to get by. This is clearly the next best, if not a slightly better team in terms of depth. Um, here's the best example of it: Josh Okogie last year started 37 of the 59 games in which he played. Um, for his career with the Wolves over the last three years, which by the way, it's crazy that he's only been with the Wolves for three years. It feels like forever that Josh has been on the team. Um, he started in 117 of his 195 games in a Timberwolves uniform. Um, Josh Okogie is not, I love Josh Okogie. I think he's outstanding. He's not a starting caliber player in a playoff NBA team in the year 2021 or 2022. He just isn't. Maybe a spot starter, you know, filling in here and there. And I think he's a rotation player, but he's more of a fringe rotation, 10, 12, 14, 16 minutes a game, give you a boost of energy, be a second line defender to come in and, and guard, you know, uh, if they're taking on a, a high usage wing, who's really good to come in and help spell, you know, uh, I guess early in the season, Jade McDaniels, hopefully eventually Edwards improves defensively. So he's your first option um, or to spell Leandro Balmaro. 
But Akoki is not a guy who should be getting 26 minutes a game or starting. Um, and now, as I talked about earlier in the show, he's probably your eighth, ninth, maybe even your 10th guy. And that's the role he should be in. That's the best case role for Josh Akogi. He can play some three. He can play four offensively, kind of hide him in the dunker spot, but he can lock down on defense. If he does enough offensively, and maybe he starts making his corner threes, which at this point would be a minor miracle, and then he he rises very quickly if he becomes somewhat dangerous on offense. He's also a good cutter, and that makes him valuable too. So he's probably best cast as a ninth man and, and a fringe guy on like a playoff rotation. If the Wolves go to the playoffs, probably Josh Akogi's not in the regular playoff rotation. You know, Bolmaro is probably your eighth guy and Akogi's probably your ninth guy or something like that once you get it to the playoffs. Um, so that's one good example. Another is Jake Lehman. Now, Lehman was never expected to be a starter. He started a handful of games the last two years, but he was effectively the team's sixth man in the fall of 2019, right after he came over to the Wolves initially as a sign-and-trade uh, acquisition from Portland. He was the sixth man. He led the team in minutes off the bench in like six of the first seven games in 2019. Now, the Wolves got off to a good start that season, and then Lehman got hurt, and obviously injuries have been a, a theme for Lehman and his time in Minnesota, unfortunately, but even the best version of Jake Lehman should not be like your sixth or seventh man. He should be your depth guy, right? He should be your ninth, 10th, ideally 11th guy who can come in because of foul trouble, who can step in for a game or two if there's a minor injury, be a good cutter, be a decent three-point shooter, be a solid team defender, but he's not a lockdown one-on-one guy. He's not a sharpshooter. He's obviously very athletic and long. There's things he does well. He's one of the best cutters on the roster. Um, and so those things are all valuable, but you can't overexpose the guys who should be 10th or 11th on your roster, like a layman or eighth or ninth, like a guy like a Kogi. Those guys are now in the roles that they should be in. The starting lineup is going to have Beasley, Edwards, and either McDaniels or Vanderbilt. You're going to have Balmaro and Beverly off the bench. These are all guys, and again, we're projecting a little with Balmaro, but you know, take him out of it. There's still enough guys now where a Kogi's your ninth guy right? I mean, you're not relying too much on Josh Kogi. You're not relying at all on Jake Lehman as long as you're healthy and the T, you know, as long as you're not having major foul trouble in any given game. And that's what, that's how things should look for a Jake Lehman or for a Josh Kogi. Um, those are the best examples. Um, and also the Wolves theoretically now should not be relying on two-way guys this year. Nathan Knight and McKinley Wright, I hope they get the opportunity to play, but I hope it's because the Wolves are up in garbage time in games or whatever. But they shouldn't be pressed into duty like McLaughlin was. And, and that was obviously partly due to injury. A couple of years ago, McLaughlin was, and we saw it, I guess, a little bit less last year. Um, but those two-way slots, you don't want guys that you're going to have to rely on throughout the season. And the Wolves now have the depth where they should not have to do that. And I think that's that's really, really big. It's kind of like you hear about the difference between uh, the difference between going from bad to, to decent or the difference from going good to great. It's a similar leap. And in this case, the Wolves, obviously their defense has been bad, but if you look at the depth, if the depth goes from not not good at all to kind of average depth to a slightly above average depth, that's a huge jump. If you take out the Jake Lehman minutes and the, you know, insert, you know, a couple of years ago, you look at Travion Graham or, or end of his career, Shabazz Napier or all these guys, Jordan Bell, players who are now playing overseas or in the G League, um, and you replace them with legitimate NBA players like an up-and-coming Nas Reed. I haven't even talked about Jalen Noel. He's probably your 10th or 11th guy. I completely forgot about him earlier. And, and I think he's he's a potential sixth man. I mean, he's not there yet. He's not great defensively. But there's real depth on this team, I guess, is the point. Um, you're, you're replacing those minutes from these guys who aren't in the league any longer with up-and-coming guys like Nas Reed, Jalen Noel, veterans like Patrick Beverly, um, a, a rookie like Leonardo Balmaro, who's very promising. And then Akogi's kind of your... your, uh, your your guy who kind of 
has a foot in each camp, right? I mean, he's not a, a super grizzled veteran, but he's got a little bit of experience in the league. You know what he can do. Um, it's a team that has a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things. Um, if that makes sense, they've got some depth, they've got some, um, yeah, quite a bit of youth and they've got a couple of veteran type guys and that all kind of factors into depth. And I think the wolves did a really good job of that from a front office perspective, improving this roster. And again, it hasn't been splashy, you know, say and perhaps there's a Ben Simmons trade at some point, I, who knows, it hasn't been a splashy off season and outside of the Russell deal. And I guess you could say the Beasley Hernan Gomez deal, not super splashy in the past couple of years either. But the Wolves have slowly but surely improved the roster 1 through 12, 1 through 13. It's a lot better now than it was two years ago. It just is. Um, so anyway, those are the three X factors for this year. Balmaro, defensive rebounding, specifically McDaniels and Edwards, and then the overall depth on the roster. Those are things that are going to play out over the course of the season. Again, I don't expect Balmaro to be a huge factor in the rotation early this season, but eventually he will be. And uh, the depth thing may not be obvious right away either, although the seventh and eighth guys on the team are better already because of it. But over the course of a long season, that's going to play itself out even more. So we can revisit this here in a few weeks or months, or maybe at the end of the season when we're looking back on hopefully a playoff run for the Timberwolves. Uh, but those are the X factors. Tonight is the preseason opener. We'll have a post-game podcast that posts probably late Monday, leading into early Tuesday. We'll go ahead and just, because it's been so long, we'll do studs and duds, key takeaways from the game and highlights from the game, You know the, the biggest moments in the game. Um, which again, f- feels a little silly for preseason, but not entirely silly because let's face it, it's real Timberwolves basketball. And uh, well, I guess not fully real, but mostly real Timberwolves basketball. And we expect the majority of the players on the roster to play. Um, so we're going to talk all about that on the postgame pod on Tuesday. So be sure if you're not already following or subscribed to the show that you do that. Again, uh, thanks for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. And remember, free and available everywhere on all platforms, including YouTube, as well as Apple, Google, Spotify, and the all new Odyssey app. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T Wolves and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. Reminder that Locked On Wolves is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. We'll be back again tomorrow on Tuesday. A reminder, we're daily again, Monday through Friday. So be sure you're subscribed wherever you listen to podcasts. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves Podcast, and we'll catch you next time.